Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Even though Peter's entire contribution to the New Testament only comprises eight chapters, the scope of his writings was extremely broad. In his first epistle, he incorporates both the prophecies of the ancient Old Testament prophets and the preaching and teaching of the New Testament apostles, and links both of these in the Holy Spirit's application of God's full salvation upon his chosen people. Bill Lawson has joined us today as we begin the second week of our life study of 1 Peter. Bill, we um, have three verses particularly today before us, and uh, like the preceding nine verses in this book of 1 Peter, they are loaded, aren't they, with content? They really are, Chris. When you consider Peter's background as one who was very unlearned, just a fisherman that grew up around the Sea of Galilee, you could not imagine that Peter could write epistles like this that are so deep and so profound. It is a really a marvelous thing that the Lord could transform Peter into such a writer. We've seen, um, particularly in the first uh, few programs, Bill, in this book, Peter was very much focused on the matter of God's full salvation, not just the initial salvation, not the common thought uh, concerning salvation, but the full salvation with the three main stages that really apply all aspects of what God accomplished in Christ and all aspects of what he's carrying out in the Spirit upon us and in us today. And I think that's really uh, the main focus of where we want to go with this program, isn't it? Right. When Peter talks about salvation in his epistles, he's not talking about a shallow kind of, of salvation that most believers are familiar with, salvation from hell, the forgiveness of sins. But that's just the initial part of salvation. Peter's was a full salvation, not only the saving of our spirit, but also the saving of our soul, and eventually the full salvation of our body to bring us into a full salvation where the triune God is fully saturated, the tripartite man. Bill, the three verses we want to look at today are 10, 11, and 12 in chapter 1. I'm going to read those again. You have to kind of go slow and chew on these to really get it. Uh, But we'll hit a few of the main points. But uh, this uh, matter of God's full salvation and the application aspect, the Holy Spirit's working upon us to bring us into the full salvation is the main thrust of the program, even though we're going to touch some other aspects, but they all relate, don't they? They do. Peter is structuring his writing here with the triune God, the Father's regenerating, the Son's redemption, and now we'll be touching the Spirit's application. Okay, let's uh, take a look at these three verses. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied concerning the grace that was to come unto you sought and searched diligently, searching into what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ in them was making clear, testifying beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories after these. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to you they ministered these things, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven which things angels long to look into. 
tremendous. I mean, we are spanning the whole breadth of nearly of time here, aren't we? Right, with both the Old Testament age and also the New Testament time uh, when Peter was there. All right, let's join Witness Lee with the first portion. Uh, We'll talk about this uh, looking into the time and the manner of time. Now, I would call your attention specifically to these three verses, 10, 11, and 12, how the Spirit applies the Father's regeneration and the Son's redemption to us through two means. And the first means was the prophesying of the Old Testament prophets. And the second means is the preaching of the New Testament apostles. Hallelujah. There are these two groups of uh, persons to uh, apply God's full salvation to God's chosen people. These three verses, 10, 11, 12, are not so shallow. Concerning the full salvation, the prophets in the Old Testament time sought out. Shout out indicates what? Indicates seeking. They were seeking. And uh, searched out. And this is searching. Firstly seeking, then searching. Searched what? They searched into what time? To find out when this Messiah will suffer. What time? What time Christ will come? What time Christ will suffer? No doubt. In the Old Testament prophecy, a lot of verses telling us that the anointed one of God, Christ, will suffer. He will suffer for God's people's salvation. He will suffer for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Surely, God's anointed one with God's divine commission. To fulfill this commission, he has to suffer. And the prophets in the ancient time knew this. So they spent quite much time to do some research to find out when this Messiah will suffer. Bill, the application of God's full salvation by the Spirit we just saw involves the utilization both of these Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament teaching and preaching of the apostles. But let's focus on these Old Testament prophecies for a minute. Particularly, obviously, in the process of God's salvation or in the stages of God's salvation, the suffering of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the crucifixion of the Messiah is an indispensable, maybe is the key foundational item. And the Old Testament prophets spent much time, didn't they, researching this and actually knew a great deal concerning it specifically, didn't they? They really did, Chris. If they would just even have looked into the Pentateuch, the first book, Genesis, in, uh, of course, we know as today of chapter 3, verse 15, they would realize that the seed of the woman would have his heel bruised. So that's one reference right there. Then if they would, of course, by studying the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, 
in especially chapter 9, they would realize through the prophecies of Daniel that uh, the coming Christ would be crucified according to chapter 9. So we know they should have known through studying even Genesis and Daniel that the exact time of the Messiah's being crucified and cut off would be made known to them. Mm -hmm. So this is a very, very interesting point. They searched and they sought out the time, first of all, of when the Christ would suffer and enter into his glory. And that is unveiled there in Daniel 9, when Cyrus, the king of Persia, he made a declaration for the Jews to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So from all the way from that time to the time that the Messiah would be cut off, counts to be 483 years. So if they would have studied that, uh, they would realize that from the time that Cyrus, the Persian king, made a proclamation for some of the Jews to come back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem until the time of Messiah would be cut off, that would be exactly 483 years. So they could tell, even with that degree of specificity, that the the actual date, the actual year, at least a close proximity to the very time that Christ was going to be, or the Messiah was going to be crucified. Yet, as we'll see in this portion just ahead, as you said, the verse makes reference that I read both to the time, which we've now just discussed, and uh, the prophecies show us the time, but also the manner of time. This is a little bit more elusive, as we'll hear, and it's uh, searching into the manner of time Not so easy, but still the Old Testament offered many uh, windows into this aspect as well. So let's talk about that in the coming portion. Let me pick up that verse again. Searching into what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ in them was making clear, testifying beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. And one of the great books in the Bible, surely the Old Testament, focusing much on the sufferings of Christ, Isaiah, the prophet, and... uh, Isaiah said, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Here's Witness Lee once more. Peter says the prophets in the Old Testament time searched. They searched into, not only into what time. What time is easy to understand, but into what manner of time. The ancient prophets did some research. They not only searched out what, but they also searched out what manner, in what manner of time. Don't forget, Peter speaks this based upon what he found out in the Old Testament. He doesn't say this from the air. He says this Surely, with a base, a ground that he found out in the Old Testament, to find out what time, when Christ should come to suffer and to be glorified, this is easy. But it is not so easy for you to find out the manner of time. The man of time of Christ's coming was a time of unbelief. And today, this is also that kind of time. 
the manner of time of Christ coming was a manner of unbelief. And today, it is the same. Unbelief is a characteristic of the time of Christ's coming. To whom should the arm of the Lord appear? Who would believe our report? And Peter should experience this. Peter reported, but very few Jews responded. And that was a manner of the time. Today, the prince was the same. Many Christians expect to have a big revival. That is against the manner. Could you get it? Boy, this is uh, really striking, Bill. Um, the way he succinctly kind of connected that, the manner of time, isn't talking about the specific times, talking about the characteristic of the age, the characteristic of the the climate. And, and surely Peter could have easily related to Isaiah 53, who has believed our report. I mean, here he and the other apostles are uh, speaking the truth, giving the report of the crucifixion of the Messiah, and it perfectly matched the time element as it was unveiled in the Old Testament prophecies, and yet just a handful of the Jews uh, believed. So the characteristic of that time was really a, a, a condition of unbelief, wasn't it? The prophets there were really quite diligent. They were searching, they were seeking, not just the time. That's one thing to know the time and figure out from Daniel and Genesis and so on, put together the time when Messiah would be cut off. But another thing is to know, the, like you say, the generation. What is the environment? What will be the situation of the nation of Israel at that time? And Isaiah, especially in chapter 53, Isaiah was prophesying concerning the coming of Christ and that Christ would come to turn the situation of the nation of Israel, you know, fully around. And yet almost whatever he spoke, they didn't believe him. They either persecuted him or condemned him, like all the prophets, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah. So eventually Isaiah said, who has believed the report? Isaiah and these prophets spoke about Christ. He spoke about the coming Christ to rescue the nation of Israel and the Jews. No one believed them. So by that one verse in Isaiah, we know the environment at that time of Christ's uh, crucifixion would be a time of almost complete unbelief on the part of the Jewish people. Then, if they would study Daniel 9 again, it talks about a time of rebuilding and restoring of the temple and the uh, the city of Jerusalem. So that implies a time of degradation, a time of desolation, a time of captivity. So they also realized that the time of Messiah's being cut off would be not only a time of unbelief, it would also be a time of captivity. So they got into these things. It was amazing. They really got into them, and the Lord unveiled to them that it would be an age of unbelief and an age of captivity. Bill, uh, he made the comment here at the end that even today, many believe that the time of the Lord's uh, next unveiling, second appearing, will be characterized by large-scale revival and maybe a whole generational turn back to God. But we really don't see justification for that in Scripture, do we? I mean, there's a lot of parallel between the, the manner of time that we're living in and the manner at the time that Christ came the first time, isn't there? Right. In the 20th century, if we look at the history of Christianity, you see a period of a 100- or 200-year period of great revivals, yeah. the Lord moving all over the earth. 
uh, and you see gospel campaigns, even in our generation, you see large gospel campaigns and and efforts. But really, if we look here in First Peter, it will really be when the time of Christ unveiling again, it will really be a time of unbelief, where the majority of the people will be unbelievers. And we should also not expect that, you know, millions of people will believe, because these prophets in the Old Testament were speaking and ministering to an unbelieving generation. And it's the same thing today, that we in the New Testament, we also need to speak, but we will also be facing an unbelieving generation. Bill, I think uh, I'll just pick up what you uh, uh, spoke here, use it as a transition or springboard into the final section because it matches very well where we want to go. Verse 12 has this uh, portion, these things which have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, which things angels long to look into. You said we need to be those who are speaking. We need to be those who are preaching. Some preached to us. And even though the general climate remains one largely of unbelief, that doesn't uh, alleviate us, does it, from the need to speak, which we're going to see very clearly in this final segment. By this you can see. I just give you a little illustration. You know what I'm doing here? I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching. Through my preaching, I do believe even tonight, while I'm speaking here, the Spirit is applying. Applying what? Applying God's full salvation to all of you. My top joy is this. What? My top joy, even today, within me, the Lord knows, is what? Is that whenever I... Think about you all. Consider you all. That you all have received so much of Christ. That is my joy. That is my happiness. That's my top joy. To see you all got the application of God's salvation through this ministry by the Spirit. Sent from the heavens. It says here, announced to you through those who prayed the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is really so. And this is happening. And this is transparent. This is going on. What shall you do, brothers? Go to preach. I agree with Peter. He says, those. And those need not to be definitely an apostle. As long as you preach Christ, you are among those. Those who preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from the heavens. Good enough. Boy, it's clear, Bill, from this that the kind of speaking, the kind of preaching, not only that we are under, but that we participate in is critically important because the Spirit is even using uh, this preaching, this apostolic teaching and preaching, to apply God's full salvation to us. Right. The work, of course, of God the Father is to purpose, to plan, to regenerate, and then the Son comes in, we know, to accomplish redemption for us, to take care of the negative things. But without the Spirit's application, Nothing that the Father has planned and purposed, nothing that the Son has redeemed can be applied to human beings. 
In other words, we wouldn't even be saved unless the Spirit applied these things to us. But I think, Chris, the main point here is that the Lord needs those, Peter mentioned, to preach, to minister today, to bring people this salvation. So he used the prophets in the Old Testament to bring the salvation to them. Then he uses the apostles and teachers in the New Testament to do the same thing, to bring the full salvation of the triune God to man. Without the Spirit doing this, without our preaching, the Spirit cannot apply anything of the rich salvation of the triune God to us. So it's very important that all of us minister and teach and preach this wonderful, all-inclusive Christ to people so that God could have a people today, just like he had in the Old Testament. Yeah, the point he makes here is a, is a good one. In the first portion today, when we first touched this verse, verse 12, he pointed out really primarily the preaching of the apostles in the New Testament period and the prophesying of the Old Testament prophets. These are the unique tools, so to speak, that the Spirit uses to apply the salvation, the full salvation to God's chosen. But Peter inserts this word. I was appreciative of, again, so often in, in this ministry, Witness Lee will pick up uh, what we might consider a throwaway word, those here. And the those has a broader implication, doesn't it, than just the New Testament apostles, those 12 apostles. And we don't even have to get into the big question of whether uh, the line of apostles continues after the first century. But the those there, that means all of us who preach according to the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Right. A big point here, too, is that despite a generation, Chris, of unbelief, we still have to preach and minister this wonderful Christ to people. Despite an environment of captivity like the Jews were in, Christ came in that generation of captivity. He also was crucified in that generation of unbelief. So today, despite this background, we still need to minister Christ, announce Christ, preach Christ, so the application of the Spirit can be made. Of course, uh, the Apostle Paul picks up a very similar language when he says, and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, right? Uh, this should be not just something we reserve for the special class of uh, serving or gifted ones, but really the call is today for all of God's people to rise up and in the same principle, realizing we might have some difference in measure of gift, but still in principle, we all need to be engaged in this, don't we? Right. If Peter didn't mention the word those there, we would think, oh, I, I'm not an, a New Testament apostle. I'm not one in the category of Paul or Peter or John. What can I do? But no, by the fact that Peter mentions those here, that means he wants all of God's children, no matter what, like you say, their measure of Christ is, to minister Christ to one another, to talk to their friends, relatives, colleagues, and so on, so that this wonderful Christ and his full salvation can be applied to all kinds of people today. Wow. Well, we covered a lot of territory, Bill, from uh, the Old Testament ancient prophecies concerning the time of Christ's coming, uh, the manner of the time, this age of unbelief that existed both then as well as now. But really, the main focus is we all need desperately, day by day, moment by moment, the Spirit's application of God's full salvation, don't we? That's right. Good to have you, as always. I hope we uh, have a number of uh, opportunities before uh, we're through with these life studies of First and Second Peter to come together again. It's a real pleasure to be here, Chris. If you'd like to contact us and get uh, a copy of the printed life study messages uh, for both First and Second Peter, we invite you to call us toll free one eight 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 Life Study eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Of course, you can write to us. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box twenty one twenty one, Anaheim, California. 
888-928-9814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Join us again tomorrow. We continue our life study of 1 Peter. And for Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Even though Christ is immeasurably great, He is available for us to experience. In order to fully enjoy and appreciate Christ, we need a revelation of His person and work, and especially of our union with Him in our regenerated human spirit. As believers, we can abide in Christ and live Him out in our daily experience by receiving the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In the book, The Secret of Experiencing Christ, Witness Lee unveils practical points to enter into a genuine experience of Christ according to the divine revelation contained in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. The Secret of Experiencing Christ is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order a copy from Living Stream Ministry by calling 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788.